If you have your Bible this morning, turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. You know, we have to be instant in season and out of season, and my wife is. And then we are too because we weren't even planning um, that one last worship song. But you know what? The Holy Ghost was. So you just learn to be ready at all times. First Timothy 6. Father, thank you so much for your word today. And Lord, let every ear be anointed to hear. Every heart receptive in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12 says this. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto you are called and you have professed a good profession before many witnesses. What does he tell us to do? He tells us to fight. Everyone say fight. The good fight of faith. Now what is a good fight? Not a, not a trick question. What's a good fight? The one that you win. Amen. Even if you get bloodied up, it's a good, good fight if you win. You know, the enemy that we, we fight is the devil. He's a thief, the Bible tells us. And what he's always endeavoring to do is cloud what the Word of God says. And so, to steal the light of God's Word. And so, if he can do that, then what he can do is he can steal from you. And, and the Bible says he steals, comes to do three things, steal, kill, and destroy. And so if he can do that, he can prevent faith in your life. He can prevent and interfere with the will of God for your life and on the earth, across the earth. And, you know, every generation should be moving forward in faith. You know, every generation should be one step ahead of the previous. And, and you know, Jesus said this in John 14, 12. He said, the works that I do... You can only dream about doing. Come on, I need a little help today. <laughs> Be engaged today. Amen. He said, John, he said in John 14, 12, The works that I do shall you do also. And greater works than these. Why? Because I go unto my Father. So we should be doing the same works and greater. Jesus expects us to go. Because he was just here for a very short period of time on a one way trek to the cross. And so he says, the works that I do. You know, Jesus talked much about works. You know, he even said, you know, if you don't believe me, believe me for the work's sake. How many know that as believers, there should be works following our life? Now, you know, in our generation, when you, when you say that, you know, people that know the Bible, they say, oh, the first thing they do is, well, you know, their mind goes down a trail. Oh, brother, you know, it's not about works. It's not about works. And especially because of good teaching on grace, thank God for the grace of God, a lot of people take grace and apply it to where I don't have to do anything in life. God's got it covered. 
But how many know that that's not true with salvation? There's something you have to do. You have to believe and receive. You have to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so people, what a lot of people do when they hear that, when they hear um, works, what they're thinking is works of the law. How many know it's not works of the law that save us? It's not, it's not me doing something so I can be saved. What do I do? It is by faith and faith alone. It is by grace through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. <clears throat> so when people hear that, they think works of the law. But don't think works of the law every time you hear the word works in the Bible. The Bible says faith without works is what? Dead. Dead. Being alone. Now that word, another word for that word works is, could be deeds. Corresponding action. So our faith has to have corresponding action. You know, in fact, James said, you show me your faith by, you know, by what you believe. I'll show it by what I do. So if you really believe a thing, what's going to happen? There's going to be corresponding action. Well, you know, brother, I just really believe um, such and such. Okay, then if that's true, you should be doing such and such. Amen. Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. And it produces nothing. You know, that includes faith that makes confessions. And I love making confessions on the Word of God. You know why? Because... I walk around talking what the word says, just like we sang in that song, Peculiar. I confess what's mine. <clears throat> you know, think about the woman with the issue of blood. Mark chapter 5, we're not going to read that whole account, but Mark chapter 5, what did she say? She said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Now, what if she had just sat at home that day? Hold, I believe in the healing ministry of Jesus. I believe that if I touched his clothes, that I'd be whole. I'm just going to stay here today. Then she wouldn't be in the book. She wouldn't have received because that was her faith. Yeah. You know, that, that's actually, a, um, that's how you write your own ticket with God, what she did. She did four things right there. She said it. Yeah. What'd she do? She said it. If I may be touch, then I will be whole. But then she went and did it. It wouldn't have done any good if she didn't go out and do it. Then the Bible says that she did what? She received that miracle. She received, in fact, so much that Jesus turned around and said, Hey, who touched me? Lord, you, you see all these people thronging you. And, and the multitude, why do you say, you know, who touched you? Why? He said, because I perceived that power went out of me. So she went, she received it, and then number four, she went and told it. In fact, so much that with Jairus, someone from Jairus' house, if you read that whole passage, came, you know, to, to get healing for his daughter. But in the meantime, that woman came and took a healing. She never even asked Jesus if it'd be okay. You know what religion has done? Religion has put people in the, in the corner. Just, just you, you be quiet now, and you, be, you speak softly, and you just say, Kumbaya, Lord, if it be thy will. It's made cowards out of people. Amen. Now, I want you to hold on to your hat today. And um, I tell my kids that all the time. They say, I don't have a hat. But hold on to your hat. Hold on to your chair today. 
Because we're going to challenge you with the word of God. She had to follow through with what she believed. So we're talking today about fighting the good fight of faith. I'm telling you, it's a good fight. And if you're not in that fight, then you're in the wrong one. But life is a fight. <laughs> Glad you're so excited about this today. <laughs> life is a fight. But, you know, here's the problem. And, and I'm not going to jump to conclusions on this because I know there are a lot of people who have not heard the good word of God. But people... Sometimes what we, we call faith people are people that have heard the word a little bit. People put all the emphasis just on hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing, but no doing. In Mark chapter 5, when this lady with the issue of blood, when she acted on the word, that's when the power was released. No stepping out, no, faith, no power released. And, you know, that's, that's really where miracles happen. If you want to know how to get a miracle, then it's the same thing that happened in the day of Jesus. What, what, what did Jesus, the mother Jesus, say? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever he tells you. Now, you know, that was very specific direction. It wasn't just go do something. You know, I'm just going to go do something. Doing something without the, the direction of the Lord is, is not faith. It's presumption. It's just presuming. I'm just going to, oh, I'm just going to do this and, and, and hope the Lord shows up, you know. And No, you need to do something by the direction of the Lord. Yes. That's why you need to P-R-A-Y. Yes. You need to pray. You need to hear from heaven. Yes. Amen. How I many know we, we, we can't just do something. We have to hear from heaven first. Because then when we do it, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And we see the miracles. And that's not my message today, but <clears throat> there's more to faith than just believing. You can believe, 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 and have no manifestations of power. Think about the man that was let down through the roof. I just believe that if we go through that roof... Oh, Lord, you know. You, you know, you could do that for two months. I just believe if we would have gone through that roof, we would have been healed. He would have been healed. No, they, they got to the point where they said, okay, I believe. Now we're going to let down the roof. We're going to let him down. And the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. And what happened? There was a miracle that happened. So you have to act. You have to have corresponding action. And so... One of the things we, we understand, the enemy, the Bible says, what makes the enemy so subtle? He is a trickster. I mean, no, that's what the enemy is, the devil. I don't believe he's a big, uh, you know, he, he's cunning is what he is. He's not what he's cracked himself up to be, but he does deceive people. He, he gets people to think on things that are not true as though they are true. And that's where the trickery comes in. And that's how he's able to steal, kill, and destroy. But as we're talking today about fighting the good fight of faith, 
The enemy has been deceiving people for millennia. How many know that he's not just starting out? He's been at this for a long time. So if you think that you're going to, you know, defeat the enemy just in your intellect, he'll, he'll tie you up in knots intellectually. But you have to do it with the sword of the Spirit. You get the, that's why the Bible says the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. What does that mean? They're not natural. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And so one of the things that you'll hear, now, are you ready? Are you ready for this? You know, one of the things you'll hear, you'll hear phrases like this. Well, you know, the main thing that you have to do is just let go and let God. Because God is in control. Both of those can be doctrines of demons. And I told you to hold on. People hold on to that without examining it in Scripture. Because the Bible tells us that most people in the world actually have nothing to do with God. That they're without hope, without strength, without God in this world. And so what I want you to understand is people say, well, God is in control. Of what? Everything in your life? You know, everything that you do. He, 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 he controlled what you, what you did today, what you, how you dressed yourself. <laughs> you know, when we have to understand that God gave man a free choice. And because of that free choice, man has rebelled. And, you know, all of the, the heartache in this world is because that man has made a free choice and a free will. But thank God that Jesus has redeemed us. But if you're talking about, you know, casting your cares on the Lord, then absolutely, you need to let go. If you're talking about trusting the Lord, then, then yeah, you need to let go. You need to let God have control in your life. You give him that control. But what most people are saying is God is in control anyway, and you just need to quit trying to have anything to do with it. You need to just quit and get out of the way, which is exactly what the enemy wants you to do. Don't, don't do anything, especially resist him. Let me just tell you this. And I'm not, I'm not preaching this on a whim of my imagination. This is something that I've, that I've studied out for, for years and, and just, and, you know, it's so important we understand this. God gives man authority. If everything was up to God, then why would he say resist the devil? But see, that's why, that's why the devil loves that. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's all up to God. It's whatever. I mean, you go to any, any, any hospital, you go to anything. Well, you know, we're just leaving it up to God. Really and truly, you're leaving it up to the enemy. Because God already said in his word what his will was. I don't have to pray to find out his will. He said it 2,000 years ago. Now, when it comes to specific things, go to North Dakota. Go preach here. Go do that. I need to find out the mind of the Lord there. 
But when it comes to redemptive things, I don't have to pray to see if God changed his mind. Because Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's why the Bible tells us that you and I are not ignorant of his devices. No, it's not all up to God. And you cannot leave up to him what he's left up to you. Look back at um, 1 Timothy 6.12. What does this say? Fight the good fight of faith. Let go. No, what does that say? Lay hold. Well, you know, that's pretty much the same, right? Let go, lay hold. No, those are two opposite things. He says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold. I mean, think about a bull, having that bulldog type faith where you just latch on. You grab a hold of something. So will there be any action in fighting? <laughs> There's going to be some action in fighting. If you don't do something, then something will be done to you. You know, and that's the thing that people don't realize. The Bible says the violent take it by force. We're not talking about taking from other people. Well, you know, you know this, this is mine and I'm going to take it and I'm going to take it from you. You know, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about when it comes to the enemy. Because we do have an enemy arrayed against us. How many know that? You know, the, the devil would just love for people to believe that he doesn't even exist. That's the best. Because then he can just run roughshod right over people. But the Bible says we are not ignorant of his devices. We know his schemes and his machinations. And the Bible says that greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. So when the Lord tells you fight, is that going to take some effort on your part? Fight the good fight of faith. You're not fighting God. You're not even fighting flesh and blood. But we do fight. What does Ephesians 6? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So we, we do wrestle against those things. But we have to remember that those, those same beings, they've already been defeated by Jesus. But, you know, I can't just be passive you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to be passive and just let the Lord's will be done. Then what's going to happen is the, the devil's just going to come and steal, kill, and destroy, and he's going to masquerade the whole thing and say, well, don't even fight because, you know, that's just God anyway. And that's God's perfect will. That's why the Lord has given us the Bible, that we can find out what he's given us. Can you say amen? amen. But we do fight. You know what it does? It comes in the form of thoughts. It comes in the form of spiritual influences, just like he said here. It, com it comes in, in the form of feelings. And, and, you know, it can be very strong feelings. A lot of people don't talk about this. They just want to act like, you know, well, just, you know, just be nice, you know. And, you know, they don't want to recognize that we do have an enemy and we have something that we're supposed to resist. What does the Bible tell us to do with the enemy? Resist. Now, you know, you know, it's just like people, people that are wrestling, they're wrestling. You know, what are they doing? They're resisting one another. 
I mean, I say it humorously, but you think about like, by, like wrestling. And I'm not talking about like high school wrestling. I'm talking about these professional wrestlers. What's the first thing they do? They do this arm bar, you know, and they, they got, you know, they, they got, the, you know, like this. And they're, they're holding each other. What do they do? The first thing they're doing is resisting one another. They're holding at arm's length. Amen. That's what you're supposed to do with the, the devil. Amen. And we're not to be conscious of the enemy, but we know his devices, the Bible says. And we know what he's going to do. So I, I know, and I'm sorry that I have to tell you this, but every day, as a believer, if you're going to stand strong, you're going to have to fight. Now, I'm not talking about you have to fight the same devils over and over. Thank God we get the victory. Thank God, you know, if we need help, the Lord delivers us. The Lord sets us free and then we walk in the freedom of Christ. And, you know, if you need help, then, then, then have someone pray for you. We'll pray for you. We'll get the victory. But you have to fight. Hallelujah. You have to fight or you're going to be defeated. How many know that, that that's not the same as letting go? You've got to fight. You've got to resist. You've got to stand up. Having done all to stand, what do you do? Stand, therefore. Amen. I, I think we just need to shout it from the housetop. Stand. Fight. You know, I, I'll tell you this. And you see this all through. Um, you see this in the healing ministry. You see this. I've seen this in my own life. And, and not to, to, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I know one thing I've learned through the years, and thank God I learned this before I went through, through some of these things in my life. I learned that you had to fight. And um, there was an article years ago by medical doctors, not, not people of faith, not people that presume you know, to talk about God and, and believe in God, but it was just medical doctors. And this article was talking about the curative power of a fighting spirit and they said that that people will stand a, a much greater chance of their survival that will fight than just capitulate and many times the people that would say things about that they would never make it and they would they would not um, get to the other side he said many times they live to fulfill their own words I mean, you know the, and they died you know they didn't make it. You know, even in sickness and disease, sometimes we put more faith in the organic problem than we do faith. The diagnosis. But I don't care what the diagnosis is. And I know like in my, um, in my situation, just last August, I was without oxygen over 20 minutes. Um, Bill Wee said that, that one 23 minutes in hell, well, I didn't go to hell and I didn't see heaven but I was just glad the Lord saved me. <laughs> there was 23 minutes that I knew that, um, you know, I didn't know anything till a day and a half later. But I was without oxygen. But thank God my wife knew how to fight. Thank God that she stood up and she didn't just stand in the corner and say, Oh, kumbaya, Lord, kumbaya. You know, she didn't burn a candle for me. She didn't, you know, just say a prayer for me. You know, the only thing she would have had was melted wax. Thank God that she stood up and, and said something. God's not looking for you to burn something. He's looking for you to say something. 
Amen. To, to stand up. To boldly say. And, and you know, she wasn't screaming in, in, the, in the room. But, but she, she said what the Lord, you said. And then she was speaking to me. Will, this such and such. And even when our pastor prayed, I mean, I didn't hear him, but he was saying, Will, you're not done yet. You know? If, if it was in, in, the, in the New Testament, thou art not yet 50 years old, you're not ready to be done yet. <laughs> Amen. We still have a work to do. And, and, you know, I remind myself of that many times. Why has the devil fought us tooth and toenail? You know, thrown everything but the kitchen sink. <laughs> Amen. I kind of I kind of laughed because, at, you know, there was a, a time where, with, with another job, I I was I delivered a kitchen sink and I thought, boy, everything in the kitchen sink. And I even have the kitchen sink today. You know, that was just a couple months ago. And I, <laughs> you know, sometimes you just it's like, okay, what? You know, I'm still conscious. You know, don't hit me again. I'm still conscious, but um. Thank God that we know what to do. The Bible says resist the devil. You know what the one thing the Bible never tells us to do? Oh God, please, please just make the devil quit. You have the authority to put him on the run. Don't feel sorry for yourself. I'm just going through so much. Well, welcome to planet earth. Amen. He tells us to fight the good fight of faith. Now, I want to look at the children of Israel for just a moment. What happened to them? You know, the Bible says that it's a type for us. If you read 1 Corinthians 10, everything that happened were examples for us. Things that we shouldn't do. Now, just by a show of hands, who likes to learn from someone else's mistakes? (laughs) Besides, you know, not your own. Amen. I, I like learning from someone else's mistake what not to do. Right. And that's what the Bible tells us. So when you see things today that are not happening for believers today, it's exactly the same reason it didn't happen for them as well. I know we don't like to talk about this. <laughs> Actually, there is no faith failure, but there's people that re- don't receive in life And people don't like to talk about it. But it's the same reason they didn't receive. So let's talk about it and get answers to our prayers. You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, and you can turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that the children of Israel, they did not enter into God's rest. Even Now listen to this. Even though it had been prepared for them, Before the foundation of the world. God planned for them to have it. God's will was that they have it. But they did not have it. Was it because God just didn't want it for them? No, he had already planned it before the foundation of the world. What what was that? It was God's will for them to go into the land. To enjoy prosperity and abundance of their, their Parents and grandparents would just dream about. Houses they didn't build. Good, filled with good things. But they enjoyed none of it. Even though it was God's will. So why did not 
Why did they not enjoy it? Now look over in Deuteronomy chapter 1. I'm going to say a couple of things that might shock you in a minute, but some people need to be shocked. Now look in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 20. And I said unto you, you are coming to the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord your God has set the land before you. What, what do you tell them to do? Go up and possess it. Possessing the land. Is our responsibility. As the Lord God of your fathers has said unto you, fear not, neither be discouraged. And he's, he's talking about how the different ones went in. See, as far as God's concerned, he's already given it to us. But you have to take it. Now look in verse 25. And they took of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, it is a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. Notwithstanding, you would not go up, but you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us. He has brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Now, isn't that amazing? He says the Lord hates them. God's the one that, that brought them out. The Bible says he brought them out. There was not even one sick person among them. He brought them out with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. God loved them. God cared for them. But they said, oh God, God hates us and you know, he's, he's taking us to destroy us. He says in verse 28, Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying the people is greater than taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakins there. And then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. You see, the reason we're talking about this is because this applies to us directly today. They chose to believe the lie that God hated them rather than admit that they were too coward and that they were too faithless to obey Him and go take the land. I'm going to tell you, I see, this, I see this all too often where, you know, people say, well, you know, you know, no, I don't think it's, it's just not the Lord's will. It's not that. Why? Because they, it's easier to say that than it is that, that, you know, I'm a chicken. That, you know, I'm just being coward and I'm, I'm going to have no faith. Amen. Just stay with me to the end that you're going to be blessed. But see, this is what religion does today. Rather than take responsibility, people say, well, that it's not God's will. It's not the time. It's not the season. We're not, we're not going to do that right now. When God never changes. God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why did they not enjoy the plan of God? Now, you can read all through this in, in, the, in the first five books, but I mean, especially when you're talking about Exodus, Numbers, especially Numbers 13. You can read that passage in detail. Why did they not go in? Because they would not fight. <laughs> there was a minister, he, he was um, teaching in, in Brother Kenneth Hagin's um, healing school, and he said that 
he had this happen more than one time. And, you know, this, this, this one guy actually came up to him one time and he's just, you know, sharing along this line about how you have to fight the good fight. He, he came up to him and he said, do you mean I have to fight? You know, he's like, I'm a lover, not a hater. He said, well, what, what do you tell people? You're going to be destroyed because you have to fight. Amen. You know that, that article I was talking about earlier about the, uh, the medical doctors. You know, they, they talked about how, you know, people with a fighting spirit, how they overcome. He talked about one lady who had had one lung removed and the other one was full of tumors. And, and you know, she, she was at the point of death many times, and the article said, but she would fight her way back. She would say, Doc, whatever it takes, you know, whatever, you know, you can do to help me, to my, I can take it. Whatever, whatever it takes. And it said that she lived. Not only did she live and, and you know, all the, her hair fell out because of the chemo. She said her hair grew back and it, it was jet black. I think she, I mean, it sounds like some faith going on there. But she fought. You had to fight. And it may not be sickness. It might be you fighting finances. How many know that the devil's always trying to fight your, and mess your, your finances up? Now, sometimes we help him too much, though. You know, we, we do some dumb stuff and then, you know, well, you know, the devil's attacking my finances when he's just laughing because we messed ourselves up. How many know that we have our own responsibility to, in that area? But they would not fight. But here, you know, one of the things the Bible tells us is that Jesus delivered us from what? The fear of death. Now, we see that in the book of Hebrews. Because it goes on to say that those that were not delivered were their whole lifetime subject to bondage. What I want you to realize this morning is this. Being strong in faith is being absolutely courageous. It takes courage to build a church. It takes courage. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a professional planter of, a, of churches. But, you know, I'll just stay with the one that the Lord's given us. And so, you know, it takes, it takes courage. It takes, you know, when, when you feel discouraged. To encourage yourself in the Lord. Being strong in faith is being bold as a lion. But you know, the only way that's going to happen is if you do not fear death. You know, all of the different fears are rooted in the fear of death. Man, I don't want to you know, get in a tight place. Why? Because you might get squeezed to death. I don't want to be in a tall place. Why? You might fall off and what? Die. You, you don't want to be in, in, um, in water. Why? Because you might drown. You don't want to do, you know, so people, they're not going to fly. Why? Because the airplane might fall out of the sky. And, and people have all kinds of fears and phobias. But the Bible tells us that we've been delivered from the fear of death. Amen. And what do we do? We face our fears and we, we live as overcomers. Amen. Now realize this. God is looking today at your faith. So if you're walking in faith and trust, then he's going to be pleased with you. God's not someone who cannot not be pleased, like he's some real hard taskmaster. 
God can be pleased with your faith. As long as you're trusting him and you put your eyes on him. God, I believe you. I believe that you're a good God. And I believe that you're watching over me. And I believe that you're, you're helping me. Then God's going to be pleased with your faith. Now I want you to look over real quickly at 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. Why did they not go in? Because of, of, as we said, cowardice, but also unbelief. Unbelief. You know, I would rather step out with the word of the Lord and fall flat on my face. You know, people call that falling forward, you know. At least fall forward, you know. Fall forward that you, you, you made a step. Don't just rest in the docks of indecision. Well, you know, we're just going to play it safe, you know. We're just, we're going to stay over here, you know. You know, it's like people that have their boats in the dock. What do they do? They, they have the boat there and they, they got it real nice and, and clean and, and everything looks real pretty. It's just like people that never use their china. I mean, we use our China. It's supposed to be used. I mean, people have China for 30 years and it's never got dust on it. If you can't use it, then throw it out. And so, you know, that's, that's the way it is a lot of people. They, they look like they're all perfect, everything, but they've never been used. But, you know, when you get used of God, you might get a couple of scratches on you. But that's a good thing. <clears throat> so why did they not go in? They would not fight. Now look at 2 Timothy 1.7 real quickly. Now I'm, I'm telling you today by the Holy Ghost, this is the answer to a lot of situations that you're facing. Because a lot of times people put up with things in, in their life. Brother Norville Hayes, if you, if you ever knew him, he was a card. And um, Brother Norville, he, um, how many knew Norville Hayes? He had a lot of books, and I got to see him one. Well, he went home to be with the Lord just a few years ago, but in his early 90s. But I saw him in his late 70s back in uh, 1997, the only time I ever saw him in person. And, um, you know, he was a fighter. And he, he believed this, you know, about uh, tenacity. And, um, but he had a daughter that had um, growths on her body. And um, anyway, Jesus appeared to him and asked him, how long are you going to put up with those things on her body? And, you know, he was kind of taken back and said, Lord, you know, you know uh, I'm just kind of waiting on you. I thought you would do something about it. How long are you going to put up with that? And so he, he realized that, that God's given me the responsibility. You resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, Brother Hagin tells a story in his book, I Believe in Visions. It's called If, the Badge of Doubt. He talked about a man who came up in the line, in the prayer line. So he, he called this prayer line and he said, this man had tuberculosis, so he, he, he had a real stiff spine. And um, that was, you know, real common back then. And so he said that um, he got up there and he looked at, he prayed for the man. He said, okay, he prayed for him, be healed in Jesus' name. He, now he, then he said this, now see if you can 
bend over and touch your toes. He said, without even realizing it, I realized I was getting an unbelief. See if you can do it. He said, I thought nothing else about it. He, turned, he said, I turned around. I went down, prayed, prayed for one or two other people. Then I just turned back and I saw Jesus standing over there. He said, um, Jesus looked at him and said, I said in my word that, you know, the demons would go. Now, let me just say this. At that time in his ministry, he operated a little bit differently. Because what would happen, now this is the way the Lord dealt with him. When he would lay hands on people, he said if the fire would go from hand to hand, it was the presence of an evil spirit. It wasn't just a word of knowledge or where he actually saw the spirit, which is discerning of spirits. But what he, he, that fire jumped from hand to hand. So, you know, like you sense the anointing when you lay hands on someone. So he would lay hands on someone. And when he laid hands on them, he said, like a, like a fire went from hand to hand. So he knew that was a, the presence of an evil spirit. And he had to deal with it. So he said, yes, Lord. And I told him to go, but he didn't. Jesus said, I said that the, the demons would go. Lord, I know you said that, and I told him to go, but he didn't. And he said the third time, I said that the demons would go. He said, Lord, I know you said that. It wasn't just, but I told him to go, and he didn't. He said, I think I know how Jesus looked when he turned the money changers over. He said his eyes flashed fire and said, Yes, but I said they would go. And then he disappeared. He said, I realized I was in unbelief. <laughs> he said, brother, come back up here. And he called the guy up. And uh, he had just got, you know, he, he's real stiff, so he couldn't hardly move. And so he said, brother, come back up here. So he said, he got up there. He said, I told you, out you go. And then he said, now, brother, he said, he didn't put the word if in there. He said, touch your toes. He said he was doing this and... He even came back during the week doing all kind of gymnastics and stuff and, and proved that he was healed. But he realized he got into unbelief. If. Amen. The promise of God are not if, but yes and amen. Can you say amen? So look at 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. He says this, For God hath not given us, what? The spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So God has given us not, and other translations say this, a spirit of timidity or a spirit of cowardice. And why is this so important? And this is our whole punchline this morning. We need to recognize this. We need to recognize fear. We need to recognize it and see it when it's coming. Do you know Why? Because, and this, if you don't get anything else, get this one statement right now. Religion has excused cowardice and called it humility. Well, I just want whatever God wants. That's someone that's not going to fight. Well, I just want what God wants. That's someone that's not going to resist the devil. Bless God, I'm going to resist him. What, what if I die... But what, you know, pastor, what if I die in the process? 
There's no better way to die but in faith. <laughs> if I live, I'm going to live in faith and I'm going to die in faith. Next thing that's going to happen, you're going to be on the other side. You're going to see Jesus and you're going to say, Lord, I was believing. He's going, yeah, I know, I know. Come here, let me, let me, you know, in, in just five minutes, you'll forget everything. But being bold. Knowing that I'm going to fight. Whatever will be, will be. Where is that scripture? Whatever will be, will be. Why? Because what the enemy is doing is force fooling millions of church-going people into being passive. To be passive and then turn around and say, it must not be God's will. I'll just tell you this. We, we've had people that were irritated with us and hated us, but instead of saying, you know what, I, I hate the pastors and I don't care about that, they, they would uh, try to make it about doctrine. When it never was a case of doctrine. It was a, it was a case of rebellion and stubbornness. You know what the Bible says about stubbornness? <laughs> stubbornness is it's a... It talks about rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as idolatry. You know, you, one thing you don't want to be is stubborn. You know, you want to be bold, but you don't want to be stubborn. Yep. You know, I just have a stubborn streak. <laughs> <laughs> Come up here, we'll pray for that. But, but you don't want to be stubborn. Because he says stubbornness is just like, just like if you went to someone's house and they're bowing down to a rock. And offering up incense, you think, oh, my gosh, you know, what's going on? Well, you know, that's Vaughn. You know, he just, he has a little bit of idolatry, you know, and he's just doing that. Uh, John, you know, he, he worships that rock, you know, and it's just, 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 just a little bit of idolatry. That's the, same, that's the same bit as saying, well, you know, they just have a little bit of stubbornness. That's how God sees it. Hallelujah. But I want you to say this with me. God did not give me the spirit of timidity. He did not give me anything that makes me a coward. He gave me the spirit of power, love, soundness, and courage. Now say this with me. I will fight. Now, don't, don't, look at, don't look at your spouse and say, you're, you know, you're going to fight them. Not, not your co-worker. But say this, I will lay hold. Do you know what that word lay hold means? It's the, same, it's the same as what he told them, to possess. To possess the land. Amen. And, you know, and, and we see that with the children of Israel. You know, it said that, they would take this land and, and this land and this land and, hey, is there more to take? Yeah, there's more to take. We're going to go get it. And um, the Bible even talks about one that they took more than they needed and had more than enough. Even so much that they gave it to the half tribe, this other half tribe. And they, they said they had no possession of their own. This other, this other group had taken twice as much and, and they had all that extra. Why does God want you to be blessed? So you can just hoard it up? So you can just, you know, put your thumbs under your, your chest and say, well, look at me. 
No, it's so you can be a blessing. Amen. I believe the River Church is going to be a storehouse. Not, not to, I mean, it's going to be a storehouse. It's going to be a drinking place. Amen. Spiritually. And what's it take to do that? It takes provision. Provision. Now I want you to look real quickly over in Luke chapter 11. We're going to finish in this passage. Amen. I want you to get more than anything the spirit of what we're saying today because it's not just the mechanics of it, but just the spirit of it. Now, Luke chapter 11 in verse 5. Now, Jesus, I want you to imagine that you're sitting at the feet of Jesus right now, and he's, he's talking to you, and he's giving you this parable. And he said, which of you, in verse 5, Luke eleven five, shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble be not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you. So here you got a guy showing up at midnight. Hey, Fred, it's me, Jim. I need some bread. Man, what are you doing? It's midnight. The kids are in the bed. The, the, the ba- we got the, babies, the baby to sleep. And, and um, what are you doing? We need some bread. My, my, my cousin Ronald, he came down the, and um, he needs some bread. <laughs> the Bible says, keep reading. It says that being his friend was not a strong enough motive. How I many you know it takes a stronger motive than just, you know, a casual friend, you know, an acquaintance for you to get up at midnight, especially in this day. No lights. I mean, you had to light a candle or, you know, all these different things. He says, though he would not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. So everything is locked up in this one word that, unfortunately, King James, you know, we don't use this word importunity. Who in here has used this word at least once in your life, you know, in a conversation? You know, because of my importunity. What does that word mean? It means shameless. It means boldness. So the Lord gave us a spirit of power. So why did this man get food? Was it because he was his friend? No, the Bible says because he was bold enough to ask. He was bold enough to ask. You know, people think that it offends God if we ask, and we ask big. God, we need this. We need this. Lord, I need to be healed. Lord, I need this. People think, well, you know, I don't want to bother the Lord. He creates planets. 
He's not going to be bothered by my prayer requests and yours at the same time. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it was because of his boldness, because he was without timidity, without shame. See, this is how spiritual things work. When the Lord tells you today, I've given you this, that's not the time for you to go ask someone if you can have it. If the Lord tells you in the Bible, this is yours, then you can have it. You can have it, River. You can have it. You can have everything that God tells you you can have. So he, that's why he tells us to take, to lay hold. When he tells us to possess. It doesn't matter how many people don't like it either. And what you're believing for. Why? Because we came to fight. We're going to stay with it till we get it. Amen. Say, say this with me. It's mine. Whatever the Lord tells me that I can have, I can have it. I'm not going to expect it to just fall on me. But I'm going to possess it. I'm going to fight for it. And I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Fight. Fight. You know, I'll say this. Right before that, um, right before that last August when that happened, I just have like random things on my phone, you know, that I just uh, record, you know, from different ministries and different things. And um, <clears throat> anyway, Pastor Rodney was was preaching. He he was just this was like a Sunday night service, and he was like, "Fight, fight!" And if you can hear his voice, you know, "Fight, don't quit, don't give up. The best is yet to come. You're not gonna die. You're not gonna, you know." He said a couple other things. Well, I'm going to tell you what. When I was in that fight, that, that's, that's like what my wife stood on. Not, not necessarily that same word, but just that, that, but that I would live and not die. And that's what the scripture says. And, and so you, you have to be bold. You have to say, I shall not die, but live. And, the, and proclaim the works of the Lord. I will not quit. I will not give up. I will not, I cannot be defeated. I, I love one thing that Pastor Kenneth Hagin, he always had, um, his motto in life was this, I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. Praise the Lord, everybody. You know, if you hear him talk, you know, he's, I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. Amen. That's, that's his Texas accent. <laughs> Pretty close. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. So I'm telling you if, you, if you won't quit, you don't have to know how to make it. You don't have to know all the different ways that God's going to bring it through. Yeah. All you have to do is have the willing heart. Father, yeah. I don't know what to do in this situation, but I'm, I know you're good and I'm not going to quit. And I thank you that you're going to bring help. Yeah. You're going to send in the, the brigades and Lord, you're going to send in the... Uh, the the helicopters, you're going to send in, the, you know, spiritually speaking, you're going to send in help. Lord, I don't, and I thank you right now. And when you do that, 
God's pleased with that. God's pleased with faith. And what's he going to do? He's going to send in help. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. The service is almost over, but not quite. So just give us a moment. I want to pray. If you're in this place and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know, as we've been talking and ministering, one of the things that we realize, we know that God is a good God. But one of the things we have to do is we have to possess, tread on, and, and, and walk on the free gift that God has already given us. It doesn't just fall on us, but all we have to do is receive it. And that free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you're in this place and you say, I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but today I want to make a decision for Him, then I, today I want to pray with you and for you. Friend, what would happen if today were your last day on the earth? Where would you spend eternity? There is a heaven to gain. There is a hell to shun. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid the price. Or, you know, you may be in this place and you say, once upon a time, I did walk with the Lord, but I walked away from Him into sin and wrongdoing. But today I want to come back. I want to, I want to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Or thirdly, you may say, I love Jesus with all my heart, but I just have doubts in my head sometimes. And, and the devil just lies to me saying that I'm not saved. But today I want to make sure. I want to have that assurance that things are right. On any three of those categories, then I want to pray with you and for you. So with no one looking around, if that's you, if you if you if you want prayer for any of those to receive Jesus, to come back, to, to have that assurance, then just slip your hand up and say, Pray for me. I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. I see that hand. The Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Hallelujah. You know, I heard the story one time. There was a, a minister giving a call just like this. And there was a young man that the Lord was really dealing with. And the Spirit of God was just influencing him. And the minister came back. He could tell that the Lord was dealing with him. He said, son, why don't you come up and receive Jesus as the Lord. And he was about to go. And one of his friends nudged him and called him sissy. Well, they left the service. They don't know why this happened or what, but that car they were in, those four boys, it got stuck on the train tracks. Those boys went into eternity. And God was giving him a, a chance. They didn't know that was their last day on the earth. And, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. We don't, we don't know. Jesus could come back as well. He could come back right now. That doesn't mean that people will be going straight to hell if they didn't receive Jesus, but it just means they won't be ready to meet him at that time.
So everyone just look at me real quickly. On this, uh, this side of the room, if no one, if you didn't raise your hand, but you want to be included in that prayer, then just raise your hand and say, pray for me. Amen. And on this side, if you didn't raise your hand, but you say, include me in that prayer, then just slip up your hand. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. On any of those, if you raise your hand, then I want you to do like we were talking about. Just take a bold step. Just stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. Hallelujah. We're all, we're all here together as family. Praise God. And then I want you to just come up here. We just want to do what we said. We just want to pray with you and pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. I'm not going to come grab you and, and bring you up here, but I know who you are. Amen. Thank God that Jesus died for us in public. We should receive him in public. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Just pray this with me. You that raised your hand, God knows who you are, and He sees our hearts. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, then I would be saved. So, Father, now, I believe Jesus died for me. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me and cleanse me. Let me never be the same again. Lord, I turn my back on the world. And I turn my back on sin. And I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. And thank you that you're coming back. From this day forward, I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.